What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. This is Make It Ladies and gentlemen, here to talk about a topic that he says he's been talking about most of his life, I, even when back in the days when he was a teenager, I guess. Uh, and we do well to be enlightened by him on this topic as the Supreme Court, uh, with all this going on, is uh, scheduled to uh, agree to hear a case, yet another case on affirmative action here from the Nation magazine, thenation.com. Ellie Mistal. Brother, how are you? I'm very good. Thanks for having me, Rev. Yeah, no, I've been talking about affirmative action forever because, look, when you're when you're an educated brother, when you go to you know the best schools, one of the first questions you get by white people at those best schools is, "Didn't you get in because of affirmative action?" Um, mm-hmm. And so you have to kind of defend yourself and your qualifications kind of from the very start. In fact, you know some of the the black people that I have met who have been against affirmative action, people like Clarence Thomas, quite frankly, um, they're uh, against it because they believe that it gives white people uh, uh, an opportunity to constantly question the qualifications of African-Americans. Now, to that, I say, like, how are you such a weak-minded individual that you can't stand up to a couple of questions? Uh, (laughs) Like, like there's some things that you just got to take one for the team, right? If you are qualified, it shouldn't be that hard for you to at least feel, you know, feel that for yourself and explain it to others. But, you know, this is, this is a constant thing in our society where, 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 where white people who don't get into the elite schools, and we can talk later about whether or not those schools should even be thought of as elite, um, uh, uh, will constantly question your qualifications if you're African-American. So tell us about this this latest case. So the case the Supreme Court decided to take up is fun. It took up one case from Harvard and one case from UNC, um, but it's fundamentally the same case. It's fronted by... Um, a group of Asian Americans students. Um, and the argument is that Asian Americans are discriminated against by elite universities because of affirmative action. The argument is that Asian Americans outperform um, black people, frankly, outperform everybody on objective measures that what they call them, meritocracy measures is what they call them, things like tests and SAT scores and and, and, and those kinds of those kinds of metrics that Asians outperform, Asian American students outperform um, other students in those in those categories, yet are underrepresented at elite universities um, despite that outperformance. They argue that this is because of affirmative actions, um, preference, preferential treatment um, for African Americans and Latinos. The real issue, though, Mark, is that these 
Asian American students behind the scenes are being put up to this by um, a, a group of white people, mainly led by a white lawyer named Ed Blum, who has made made his made it his life's work to bring cases um, to kind of undo, unravel the gains of the civil rights era and the affirmative uh, and, and the Earl Warren court. This is actually Ed Blum's, I believe, third Supreme Court lawsuit um, trying to take down affirmative action. He has lost twice before, um, but now he believes, and I don't think he's wrong, that they have the conservative votes on the court to do it. It's troubling that uh, Asian students would be manipulated uh, to turn against other people of color, isn't it? It really is, but you, I, I can understand. I mean, first of all, it's not, I always think, first of all, it's not the students, it's the parents, right? It's the parents who are, who are, who are chafed off that their little, you know, darling didn't get into Yale or whatever. Um, but I, but I, I do think of it from the parents' perspective this way. The Asian American students have a point. They are, in various ways, discriminated against at the top universities. Not because test scores are so important. Um, but when you look at some of the soft factors that we want universities to look at as well as they're building their class, what we see is that Asian American students score lower on the soft factors in part because of racism they experience up through the system, including in high school. So one thing that came out during the trial, which I thought people should really should have paid a little bit more attention to was that when you look at kind of teacher evaluations or teacher, teacher recommendations, this is an important soft skill that you need to get into these, you know, these uber competitive universities where everybody's got perfect scores and perfect grades, right? You know, a teacher saying this student is really a special student that can go a long way. Well, Asian Americans consistently score lower than other um, groups of people, most especially white kids on those teacher metrics. Why? Why? If you're going to tell me that you got a white C student, right? But somehow the teacher likes the white C student more than the Asian American straight A student. Make that make sense, right? Like that, there, there's some, there's some, and, and when you look at what they actually write in their evaluations, a lot of them are, if not, you know, not overtly with the racial slurs, but very kind of like soft stereotypical, you know, oh, well, you know, you know, Jin Wei is great at math obviously, but really could use improvement. And like, teacher, who, who, why'd you put it like that, right? And so you see this come out in the trial. This is one of the ways that Asian Americans are discriminated against. The other way, but, 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 you know, but, but what I always say is that their problem ain't with me. And so, you know, the, the problem is not with, with black and brown students um, uh, getting accepted into these elite universities. The problem, and recent studies have borne this out, um, it, at Harvard, for instance, 43% of the white students admitted to Harvard, 43% um, were either legacies, athletic admissions, um, had, a, had a parent who was a donor. That's who's taking your spot. It's not black kids. It's fail sons. It's white fail sons who are taking the spots that could go um, to, to Asian American students. So where they've been manipulated is not so much in the problem, but in the solution. They've, 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 cho they've chosen the wrong enemy, and that's because the enemy has been chosen for them by the forces of whiteness and white supremacy.
So so how do, does an Ed Bloom or a character like that even uh, link up with those in the Asian community? Do we have any idea how that came to be? Well, you know, I don't know. I don't I don't know the history of Ed with this particular I think it's called Students for Fair Admissions. I don't know his particular uh, how he found them or how they found him. Um, but Ed Blum has a has a cottage industry of bringing affirmative action lawsuits. He was the guy behind the Abigail Fisher lawsuits. That was the mediocre white girl in Texas who didn't get into UT Austin, um, who lost twice at the Supreme Court. Um, and so if you if you're Ed and you're looking to make a case and you can't win your case um, with a white girl, white women, by the way, this is another little affirmative action point people know about, white women have been the biggest beneficiaries of affirmative action. Not, not black people, not Latinos, white women have seen their enrollment at elite universities go up the most since the policy of affirmative action. So, you know, let's remember that. But when you can't, when you're Ed Blum and you can't win with the white girl, you kind of go looking for a perfect plaintiff. Ed Blum has a, I did a podcast uh, with Radio Lab called More Perfect, where we actually did a whole episode on Ed Blum. And we talked about how there is a cottage industry um, on the right of trying to find the perfect plaintiff to bring these uh, lawsuits that, that change um, our, our laws. Another example of this, actually, if you think about um, in the gay rights movement, the masterpiece cake shop case, right? The 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 right wing went and found the baker, right, and and made his case a Supreme Court case. Um, they do this all the time. Ed Blum does it in the affirmative action space. More MIP after this message. So it sounds to me like the relief they're looking for is for African American students to be penalized to make way for Asian students rather than all these other uh, legacy admission loopholes not be scrutinized and not be adjusted, right? That's the, that's what they're asking for. And that's probably what they've been told will happen. That is not what's going to happen. Like, let's just, let's just also remember that what they want to happen is to take all the spots from Black people. What's going to happen is that most of the spots they no longer give to Black people, they will just give to white students and Asian Americans will still have their representation capped as it is at these elite schools. Look, if you just look at test scores, and again, I do not think college admissions, I do not think admissions to the class should be just based on test scores. Um, and I say that as a person who could kick your butt on a test, right? Like if you're, like I'm, I'm gonna out test most people I meet. And yet I do not think that that is the main reason that I should be accepted into a school or, 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 or get in a spot in a, in a postgraduate uh, program. So anyway, um, what we see, if we just look at test scores, is that the Asian American representation at a school like Harvard University would be something like 40 to 50 percent of the, 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 the incoming class would be 40 to 50 percent Asian if we just looked at test scores. That ain't what's going to happen. Harvard's not going to go from 20, 22 percent Asian as it is right now to 50% Asian overnight because they got rid of affirmative action. What's gonna happen is more white kids get in. And, and this is the thing that people really need to understand about the affirmative action debate. You can, you can, whatever you think about whether or not having a diverse, learning in a, a diverse environment is good or bad, whatever you think about that, you gotta think about it this way. 
a school, a college is going to look at a number of factors when coming up with their class size, right? They're going to look at test scores to be sure. They're going to look at rec letters. They're going to look at outside skills. They're going to look at, you know, extracurricular participation. They're going to look at legacy status. They're going to look at all these things. And you're telling them the one thing they can't look at is race. The one thing that you're not going to let them consider is whether a person comes from a historically oppressed community. That's the one, you know, they can look at poverty, but they can't look at, 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 at racial disparities. That It's ridiculous. And so I always point out uh, this thing. Um, so I went to uh, elite prep school on Long Island. Uh, you know, most of the kids, I was in the top 10 of my class in terms of, of you know, GPA or whatever. Um, everybody from the top 10 applied to Harvard. And I think really everybody from the top 20 in my high school, my, again, elite prep Friends Academy High School in Long Island um, applied to Harvard. Only three of us got in. I had the best grade. Of the three of us that got in, I had the best grades. So, like, that that was my affirmative action. I out-tested people. The other girl that got in was, like, a field hockey star. She was, like, captain of the field hockey team and, you know, really smart and, and you know, a, a leader. Um, and then another guy got in who was, like, a world-class pianist. He, like, you know, was choosing between Harvard and Juilliard, like, one of those you know, truly, you know, talented people. Those were the three that got in. Good grades, field hockey, piano playing. So when we're talking about the factors that the school can look at, when you're against affirmative action, you're saying that they can look at the fact that that girl was good at field hockey, and they can look at the fact that that uh, kid was good at playing the piano, and they can look at the fact that I'm really good at taking tests, but they can't look at the fact that I'm black. That's stupid. But that's what they want. More MIP after this message. So, and, and to your point about the relief requested to take slots from African Americans, you mentioned they're not going to do it anyway. But let me ask you this: Do we is affirmative action still even applied to us anymore? Do we have any slots? Do I mean haven't we kind of been curbed? So, I mean, what is it? Is there anything to take from us, Ellie? Yeah, look, one of I I am one of those people. I I think that the way affirmative action has been applied at lots of schools is not the best. My argument against affirmative action is that it over benefits or or over represents, frankly, black students like me. Again, black students who came from relative you know economic stability, who had access to tutors and test prep and whatever, there is a reason why I test better than most people I know. I have like one of the most expensive test prep educations money could buy, right? Affirmative action is supposed to help the kid who didn't have my advantages, right? So Harvard shouldn't be able to count me as one of their black kids because I, I can compete, I, I can literally on, I can compete in a white cultural environment kind of toe to toe, right? It's supposed to help black kids who did not have my opportunities and upbringing to give them who, who are just as smart as me and could, and just will be just as successful as me. It's to give them a chance at some of these uh, educational opportunities and affirmative action generally doesn't work that way anymore because we just kind of cherry pick, you know, people who were going to succeed anyway and say like, Oh, that's our affirmative action spot. But the other thing that Mark, you gotta, you gotta be uh, uh, tuned into here is that, if the court takes affirmative action away, and I believe they will, I mean, again, they, they've been trying to do this for a generation, um, the elite private universities will still find a way to have diverse diversity in their classes. 
because they understand that having a diverse class is important to the educational environment for everybody. So Harvard's going to find a way. I don't know how, I don't know what they'll call it. They're going to find a way to get black kids at Harvard, right? The problem, remember, this is a lawsuit coming at Harvard and coming out of UNC. The problem is going to be public universities. They're going to have the, they're going to have the more scrutiny um, to uh, about their admissions policies, and it's going to be harder for them to get diverse classes in there. And that, to me, is a real problem. Our friend, you know, your friend of mine, Michael Harrod, has brought this up multiple times, and it's a really critical point. Public universities are the things we all pay for as taxpayers. So if anything, as a Black taxpayer, I have more of a right to have an opportunity, a representative opportunity to go to a public university than I do to Harvard or a Duke or a Yale. Like that's, screw that. Like, but if your state is, you know, 27% black and your public university is 2% black, that is a huge problem. And that is a problem that shouldn't be allowed. So like, while generally I do not believe in quotas, generally legally quotas are unconstitutional, quotas are bad, I get that. But at, your, but at the point where you're talking about a public university, your public university should be representative of the state that you're in because that's the tax base that you're taking that you're taking the money from, and it's it's that attack on affirmative action that I think will will in the long term be more of a negative impact on African American outcomes um, in the states because taking away affirmative action for public school students is going to really hurt African-American educational opportunities. So, Ellie, is that kind of what you were alluding to earlier when you said whether or not we should even be dealing with some of these elite universities or, or treating them as elite? Exactly, exactly. Because, the, the, the there, look, there's a great argument that I pretty much subscribe to that elite universities do not make you elite. They're just very good at picking people who are going to be elite anyway. Just kind of glom on to that. Um, uh, there, there, there is a lot to be said that the 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 educational that as kind of we learn more about education, that the educational disparity in terms of just quality of like what you're getting between a Harvard and a, a, a UMass is not as great as it once was. Um, uh, and, and there's the economic argument where. You know, my when I graduated for I went to I went to Harvard College and then Harvard Law School. I graduated with like three hundred thousand dollars worth of debt. I'm still, you know, I'm still gonna be paying that off, right? Um, um, it's super, and it was, and this is, you know, I'm old. It's even more expensive now. These are these are really this is a real high price uh, situation. Public universities are either free or very cheap. Um, relatively speaking, in the higher educational, you know, landscape. I mean, obviously, there's some exceptions, Berkeley, you know, Cal the California system um, being one of them. But for a lot of people, a public university is the most cost effective way to get a higher education. And so when you exclude black people from that, you are really excluding them from the opportunity to go to college, and from the opportunity to get an education that, you know, within reason is going to be pound for pound, almost as good, just as good as you can get at some of these, you know, elite schools. You know, I, I don't, you know, UNC versus Duke, is there a difference there? Eh, probably. But like, is it a huge one? No, no. I mean, look, I, I, I'm a little bit biased, 
my my uncle is a philosophy professor at UNC Charlotte, and I think that his class is every you know pound for pound every bit as good as what you'd be getting if you went to Duke. So I I I think the public universities are critically important to our educational kind of pyramid, and it's critically important that. African-American students and Latino students are allowed to go to the universities that their parents are already paying taxes for. This court, though, Mm -hmm. do you think is is likely to uphold Bloom's request for relief? I mean, this is the court we have now, unfortunately. Now, and I I think there are going to be some discussions initiated about uh, building a, a campaign uh, to uh, encourage Biden to nominate you to the Supreme Court. <laughs> Those are discussions that are beginning to take place. But but and until that happens. I would uh, love to replace Clarence, right? No, look, the only reason why affirmative action is still, a lot, is still around is because conservative Anthony Kennedy didn't want to take it away. Um, well, really, back in the day, it was conservative Sandra Day O'Connor and conservative Anthony Kennedy that didn't want to take it away. But since the last huge affirmative action case, Greta B. Bollinger, in 2003, Sandra Day O'Connor and Anthony Kennedy have been replaced by Samuel Alito and uh, Brett Kavanaugh. To say nothing of the fact that Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who was also a defender of affirmative action, has been replaced by Amy Coney Barrett. They have, I believe, now six votes to overturn affirmative action and they only need five and they've got six and i believe and and you you can quote me on this i believe that these people these freaking people they will let clarence thomas who has been against affirmative action from the very beginnings of his career they will let him write the opinion outlawing affirmative action clarence thomas is a weird guy on the not weird guy he's a he's a problematic guy on, on on this issue as i've said before Clarence Thomas, and I don't think a lot of black people know this. I mean, because we kind of we kind of car- caricaturize Thomas. I don't think pe- a lot of people understand. Clarence Thomas has experienced, you know, some of the worst racism this country has to offer. Uh, uh, um, um, he was he was prejudiced against at Yale. They were very mean to him by all accounts when he was a black law student at Yale. Um, constantly calling him dumb, constantly running him down, and you know, uh, unfortunately. That kind of pressure does something to people. To some people, it makes them stronger. To some people, it breaks them. And and I think it broke Thomas. Um, And so his response to that kind of pressure, that kind of real racialized pressure, has been kind of Stockholm syndrome, has been to kind of accept the, you know, accept the the philosophy of, of his captor. And so now he believes that he would have been treated better at Yale without affirmative action. Because then the white people would have had to give him credit for his intellect. Um, that he That's what he believes. And that's what he is. And I believe that is what he is going to write. And so he is going to outlaw affirmative action on the theory that affirmative action actually hobbles African-Americans as opposed to helps African-Americans. And that's Clarence Thomas for his 30 years on the court. He has written very few majority opinions that have changed the law in any way. He's too extreme, basically, to get majority opinions of import. But this will be one. They will let him, um, in an extreme way, outlaw from the action. Massa, we sick. Uh, 
<laughs> I mean, it's going to be a very, it's going to be a very ruckus opinion. It's going to be a very <laughs> ruckus. <laughs> um, and and folks, he was the only one. Even Kavanaugh and Coney Barrett, and them, they ruled that the January six documents have to go, and Clarence was the only one. No, we can't do this. I mean, so yeah, that's that's a wild cat. Um, so uh, well, Ellie, thank you um for this. Uh, how does some of you just, feel? No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Can I just add one more thing? Because I, I just <laughs> I, I don't want to get out of this discussion without getting people rem, reminding people that as we fight from affirmative action, one of the things that we don't want to do is to one of the things we want to highlight is how racially biased all the other admissions factors are, including geography. This is the this is the fundamental misconception that people have about affirmative action. The most racist thing that colleges and universities do is sort people based on geography. And that's every university does it, right? So when you apply to a Harvard or a Yale or a Duke, they're like, okay, you're coming out of the Northeast region. You're coming out of the New York region. You're coming out of the Queens region, right? Well, when they do that, what happens is that because Black people are not evenly spread out throughout the country, because Asian Americans are not easily spread out throughout, evenly spread out throughout the country, what you have is dockets where kind of you have to fight each other, right? So like if you're an Asian American student applying out of San Francisco, you got to fight against like 50 other really high performing Asian American students coming out of San Francisco. How many Asian American students are coming out of Nebraska? How many are coming out of Idaho? How many are coming out of Indiana, right? So when you geographically sort and you got, well, we got to have at least five people from West Virginia. We got to have at least five people from Idaho. Well, what you're doing is saying we have to have at least five white people there. We have to have at least five white people there. And we've got to have 10 people from New York and all of you fight. So understand when, when they're talking about taking away race consciousness in admissions, understand that just by doing that, it is to default back to white people win. TheNation.com, folks, check out Ellie. Uh, stay tuned for the draft Ellie for the Supreme Court campaign. More, I'm here more, for about, it. <laughs> more, more about it. Thank you, thank you, brother. Thank you so much, Rev. <laughs> Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.